Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Good morning, everyone. I hope you're having a fantastic Sunday. And uh, Pastor Matt just referenced it, but we had a great time together this morning at 9.15 for our first drive-in church experience. And uh, I know a number of you wanted to come but weren't able to come be a part of that service. We had over 100 folks here with us just to worship and to spend some time together in God's Word. And it was, it was awesome. Uh, we really did enjoy it. And it, it really does, for me, just kind of increase my anticipation for what next Sunday will look like. And uh, Pastor Matt referenced it already, but we want you to register. Uh, Really, the only reason we're doing that is just for us to be able to plan and prepare for your arrival next week for those that will be joining us in person. We're also going to stream both services next week, 9, 15, and 11. So we'll be in person and online. Uh, But when we open up registration, which is 2 o'clock, I'm sorry, Tuesday at noon, 12 o'clock, that just helps us to prepare. And here's the reason why, and I told our crowd this morning this as well. Over the last few months, uh, when we were gathering before quarantine, obviously we had 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 three services before. We're moving to two services, 915 and 11, and a number of you stream at 915. Some of you are streaming at 11, and that's new for you. Others, that's always your, your service, and that's great. But that helps us to know where our numbers will land and make sure we can space people out. Uh, in a really effective way. So Tuesday at noon, we'll go live with registration, g.church, click on the events tab, and you can register for the service that you would like to attend with you and your family. And uh, once a service is full with the slots that we have made available, we ask you just to go and register for the other service and come and be a part of that service next week. It's gonna be great. If you can't join us in person or you're choosing not to do so in this season, we respect that, totally understand that. And we can't wait for you to join us online as we worship together 9:15 and 11 next Sunday. It's gonna be great. But you know, it's been a really interesting season. Uh, It's been a transition season for us in so many different ways. The construction of the facility, the space that I'm in right now, our worship center. Uh, Also during this season, we've had some staff transition. And uh, so we made a change in our family ministries role just a few months ago, about a month, month and a half ago now. Uh, But I am happy to announce to you that we have added to our staff just in the last few days. And in two weeks on August the 16th, you're going to have the opportunity to meet in person uh, our new family ministries pastor. Uh, It is Pastor Aaron White and his wife, Bethany, uh, their daughter, Isabella, and they also have one on the way. And I can't wait for you to meet this incredible couple. They come to us from Birmingham, Alabama, where they presently serve uh, at Metro Church. And, uh, and they also have family here, at least Aaron does, family here in the area. They have a long history uh, in this community and, and with our church in a lot of different ways. And you're going to love this family. And so I can't wait for you, part of our G Kids family, part of our Generation Youth family, to meet this couple. Uh, I think you're going to love them. I know that you will. And so you'll meet them in two weeks on the 16th of August. They're going to make a, tr- a transition and move here over the next week or so. And, uh, and we're excited about that. But we had a great time yesterday, speaking of family ministries, with our G Kids VBS Family Day. Just an awesome day together. We had a, a worship service. We had the opportunity for us to play some carnival games and spend some time together. Uh, and we had a, a great turnout for us not having gathered together over the last few months. Great turnout from our G Kids ministry. And, uh, and so we're excited about all that happened yesterday and can't wait over the next few weeks and months for us to continue to expand what we're able to do in our G Kids ministry in this season as well. But today, I just wanted to share with you from my heart 
There's a lot of things that I could do. Next week, we start a brand new series called Won't You Be My Neighbor? And we're actually going to look at what we believe God says to us in his word about the people around us and what is our role in relationship with other people. And we're going to look at the commandments and covenants and, and community and, and all of the compassion that God is asking of us. But today, before we jump into that series and knowing we were going to spend some time in the parking lot with some folks and then be streaming online with the rest of our church family, I just really wanted to share some things from my heart that I've been reading over the last few weeks and that God has been challenging me personally about and hopefully will be a challenge to you as well. So if you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to go with me to the book of Philippians. It seems like over the last few months, we have been a lot in these, in these New Testament letters, these New Testament epistles where, uh, where Paul is, is writing, he's, he's helping to establish the early church. And so we've spent a lot of time in some of these different books in Galatians and Ephesians. And, and today I want to just look at a couple of very famous verses of Scripture in Philippians chapter 4, where he talks to us about a number of things as he's closing this letter out. But again, very famous verse of Scripture, passage of Scripture, that I think will, in this season, be challenging to us. Again, I know for me it has been. I've, I've been reading over this and really soaping this. That's a, a, a kind of Bible study method that we utilize here at Generations Church. And soap means Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. So you read the Scripture or the passage of Scripture. You make an observation about it. You make some type of application about it. And then you kind of pray God's Word over your life, your family, or the circumstances that you find yourself in. And so I've been soaping Philippians over the last few weeks and months, and I found myself in Philippians chapter 4, and I want to read this to you uh, from God's Word today. And so uh, if you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to kind of follow along with me. This is what it says in Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8 says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things." Now, when I read through these verses of Scripture, there's a lot of different thoughts that I have and a lot of different ways that I could even present this to you. But as I've been thinking about these things, and really the Holy Spirit's been convicting me and challenging me about some of these things, I thought we would just kind of walk kind of verse by verse and really passage by passage through some of this text just for the next few minutes to really understand what God may be saying to us. The first thing that I see here is it says, Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Always. Well, when I see that, when I read that, it actually causes a question to rise up in me. And this is the question. How much rejoicing am I doing? How much rejoicing am I doing right now? Now, it's easy to do this when we're singing worship songs, whether it's through this, this uh, avenue here when we're streaming or maybe those that gather together. It's like it's easy for us to rejoice and to worship and to praise in those moments. But in the midst of all the circumstances, of all the things that are happening around us, if I'm not careful, I'm spending more time thinking about the negative things and being overwhelmed by the things that are going on around me that I'm not spending enough time rejoicing and having joy in my life. And if you're anything like me, I'm just admitting to you today that over the last few weeks and the last few months, I don't know that I have rejoiced enough. I was thinking about the passage that talks in the book of Acts where, where Paul and Silas are imprisoned and they're, they're, they're chained together and they're chained up with, with one of the guards and it's late in the, in the evening, kind of the darkest hours of the night. And yet what we hear from them is praise and worship unto God. 
And if they can praise God in the midst of their circumstances, it's a challenge to me. It's convicting to me to say, well, maybe I can praise God right in the midst of whatever's going on in me, whether that's right now or some other season in my life. Joy and rejoicing does not have to be precipitated by our circumstances. It doesn't have to be impacted by the things that we're walking through. Joy can be something that that comes out of us even in hard times, even in hard days. And so I can rejoice. And so he says, rejoice always. He doesn't just say rejoice in the good times or rejoice when you feel like it. Rejoice always, he says. And so I'm challenged with the question, how much rejoicing am I doing? And then he goes on to say, let your gentleness be evident to all. Let your gentleness be evident to all. When I think about the word gentle and gentleness, I, I, I have a picture in my mind of like a, a mother who is picking up her child from the crib and, and holding and, and rocking that child and that baby. And, and, and then that's a picture that I have in my head. I don't know what you picture in your head when you think about gentleness, but as I think about what that word actually means and in the context of Scripture, I know that gentleness is one of the fruit of the Spirit. And when I think about that and I recognize that gentleness then is a, is a product, it's the produce of my life when I am led by the Spirit of God, then I go, okay, well, this is the question for me. How evident is my gentleness? Like if gentleness is to be evident to all, then how evident is my gentleness? And what does gentleness even look like? Depending on the translation of Scripture that you're reading from, gentleness may be called meekness. And that's not a word that I use a lot unless I'm singing a Christmas carol or something about meek and mild. And so I'm trying to reference like, what does it mean to be meek? What is meekness in my life? But meekness is not weakness. That's, that's what I'd always thought was that meekness kind of was weakness and, and you were timid and you were shy and you were meek and mild. And no, meekness is actually controlled strength. I know what I'm capable of. I know the strength that I have, but I choose to control it. And as I, as I start to think in the context of the fruit of the Spirit, I also recognize that one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, that I can control myself. If your social media feed is anything like mine, there are some people who call themselves Christians who are not controlling themselves very much. I mean, when I read through these timelines, moment after moment, day after day, it's not about having conversation. It's not about having debate, but it is losing our sense of who we are and whose we are and not controlling our tongue and not controlling self and and exhibiting out of our lives not a gentleness that we are challenged by and, and challenged to live and not really exhibiting the gentleness and meekness that we're called to if we're controlled by the Spirit of God. And so as I think about that in my own life, it challenges me when I respond do I, do I respond harshly or does a gentle ang- answer turn away wrath? Do I control my tongue in the way that I speak to people, in the way that I respond to people? I have probably deleted more responses over the last few months than is even healthy to admit, but I'm trying to control myself. I recognize that there are moments I can win arguments and lose relationship, that I can win the conversation, win the debate, and actually lose influence over the people that I know that are far from God And God may desire to use me to bring them into loving relationship with him, but because I choose not to control my tongue and not to be strength controlled and not to be meek and not to be gentle in the way that I conduct myself, I'm actually turning them away from the gospel. And so I need to make sure that my gentleness is evident to all. So how evident is my gentleness? Man, the Apostle Paul's stepping all over my toes Right here. The next thing that he says is he says, don't be anxious about anything. 
Don't be anxious about anything. And I could definitely ask the question, are you anxious? But I think for a lot of us in this season, that, that's an easy question to answer. Yes, we've been anxious. Maybe you're not controlled by anxiety. Maybe you're not wrestling with anxiety all the time. But I think all of us at different times in different ways for different reasons have wrestled with anxiousness and anxiety about the things that are going on around us because we can't control so many of the factors that are around us. So the question here is not, am I anxious? It's what is making me anxious? What are those triggers? What are those things? What are those conversations? What are those relationships? What are those news outlets? What are those social media feeds that are causing me to be anxious? And when I read them, when I listen to them, when I talk to that person, man, anxiety rises up within me and I'm afraid and I'm fearful and I'm uncertain about what is going to happen next. He says, do not be anxious about anything. In the Gospels, Jesus says, we, don't, we shouldn't worry about tomorrow, Right? The famous quote says that worry doesn't actually rid tomorrow of its problems, it rids today of its peace. The idea being that like anxiousness and worry doesn't actually do anything for us. And so the Apostle Paul here says, don't be anxious about anything. If I understand that I can rejoice, I start with joy and rejoicing in who God is and what God can do in my life. When I recognize that I can control my strength, not, in, not even just my own strength, but recognizing who God is in my life and his strength and his will and his purpose in and through me, then I don't have to be anxious about anything. So what should I do? Well, what he said here is, but in every situation, everybody say every, right there where you're at, say it out loud. Every, right? You're in a coffee shop, you're in your house, you're in a restaurant, you're at the lake, you're at the beach, you're in your car, wherever you're at, every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God in every situation. Not just in the situations that seem so big you have to take them to God. Not just the situations that seem so small that you can take them to God because surely he could meet this need. In every situation, in every circumstance, by prayer and petition— petitioning God, coming to God with the things that we're asking him to do and to accomplish in and through us in every situation with thanksgiving, presenting our requests to God. And I've said it before, I'm, I'm stealing this from other greater preachers, and, but so often we make prayer a last resort instead of a first response. I mean, we, we don't go to God right away with our problems. We don't go to God right away when we see that the circumstances are overwhelming to us we try to do everything we can on our own. We try to fix it on our own. We try to do all these things on our own. And then at the very end, we just kind of throw our hands up and say, God, well, if you want to do something about this, God, where are you at in all of this? He says, no, in every situation. I wake up every day and say, God, today is your day. God, today I give all of my problems and all of my successes and all of my joy and all of my strife, all of it to you, God. And I try to remember in moments of, of anguish and uncertainty and things that would cause my anxiety to begin to rise, I go, God, I, I want to give this to you now. Before it overwhelms me, I want to give it to you because I know that you are not overwhelmed. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And so God, I give those things to you. But I do so with thanksgiving. I do so knowing that God is a God capable of everything that I am presenting to him. And so we pray to a God not that we hope can, but to a God that we know can. I'm not just hoping that God can meet this need. I'm not just hoping that God is big enough and hoping that God is strong enough. I know that God is enough. 
And so with thanksgiving in my heart, I say, God, I'm giving this to you, and I know that you can meet this need, and I'm thankful that you're strong enough, and I'm thankful that when I feel weak, you are made strong. And so, God, I thank you for that. Here is the need that I have right in front of me. And I believe if you just follow this line of thought, if I'm rejoicing and and being gentle because I am not being anxious but giving all of these things to God, then look at what the Apostle Paul tells us will happen. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. I, I think over the last few weeks and the last few months, the people that I've been talking to, the thing that they crave the most is just the peace of God. The peace of God. If they could just flip a switch and they would be enveloped by the peace of God, everything would be okay. If they could just know when they're walking through things where they're uncertain and they're unsure that God's peace goes before them and God's peace surrounds them, they would be okay. But they've forgotten that because they're anxious and they're worried and they're not rejoicing and they're not petitioning God and they're not thankful for who God is. And so they're just, it's just rising up in them and they just don't know and they just don't know. And God, where is your peace in my life? The peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. What it doesn't say is that you'll just have the peace of God. That would be enough. But I love the language here that the Apostle Paul uses. It's like he puts the peace of God right in front of your mind and your heart so that when these anxious thoughts rise up, when the enemy tries to come and breathe fear and doubt in you, the peace of God is standing there. It says, you can't come into this mind. You can't get into this heart because the peace of God through Christ Jesus, found on the cross of Jesus Christ, is guarding this heart. It's guarding this mind. You have no hold here. You don't get to spend one more second here in his mind or her heart because the peace of God is guarding this person in Christ Jesus. And that's what happens for us. That's what we have available to us, the peace of God. It doesn't even seem possible. We can't even understand it. It transcends our understanding, and yet God will do it for you. He will do it for me. So what should we do? He says this. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Here's the question that I've, I've had going in my mind over these last few days and weeks. What things are occupying my thoughts right now? What are the things that are occupying my thoughts right now? If my thoughts could be displayed before you and before me up onto a screen, like what am I thinking about right now? What am I worried about? What am I anxious about? What are those things that consume my thoughts right now? Well, what we're challenged with is to make sure that those things are the things that are true and noble, that are right and pure, that are lovely and admirable, that are excellent and praiseworthy. How many of the things that are going through your mind, moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day, are true and noble and right and pure and excellent and praiseworthy and lovely and admirable? How many of those things are what we're thinking about? And how many other things are 
are consuming our mind. How, how, how go, God, I just need you to help guard my heart and guard my mind and help me to rid my mind of these thoughts. And I'm going to focus my mind and focus my heart on you. And so here's my challenge for you. Over the next seven days, just the next seven days, start the clock. Maybe we should turn down the news. Maybe we should turn off social media. Maybe we should unfollow some folks on social media, perhaps. Maybe we should turn down some people's voices into our life and see if it doesn't change what's triggering some of these responses in us. Maybe we should turn up God's word. Maybe we should turn up worship music and worship opportunities where we're rejoicing and praising and worshiping God in the midst of what's going on around us. Maybe we should turn up some other voices in our lives that are speaking things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. We lift up those voices in our lives so that those are the things we're hearing, those are the things we're thinking in our minds. And what I believe is as we do those things, our anxiety will go down. The tenor of our conversations will go up. The gossiping will go down. And just the thoughts in general will lift our spirits. Our countenance will change. We'll have a more positive mindset as we walk through our day. Because we're not listening to the voices that are causing anxiety. We are rejoicing and approaching people with gentleness and meekness, controlled strength, and not allowing anxiety to rise up in us, but taking all of those things to God and being reminded that He is enough for us. To close, I want to I share a story. I've shared it before, but I want to share a story that may seem a little bit out of context based on what we've been talking about, but as I've prayed through this week, I just keep coming back to this story. It's a story in Mark chapter 9 where Jesus is confronted with a child that needs to be healed. And the parent of this child is talking to Jesus and says to Jesus, if you can heal him. And, and I, I sometimes read through the Gospels especially, but even Scripture, I read it sometimes with a sarcastic tone. And I almost envision Jesus answering, if, if I can heal him. If, have you... Have you heard the stories that people are telling about what I've done and the miracles and the healing and the teaching and the things that, it, what do you mean if I can heal him? Of course I can heal him. Watch this, right? That's not how Jesus responds, thankfully. He says, if you believe, do you believe that I can? And the father says back, he says, I do believe, help my unbelief. This really came alive to me when I was praying and believing for my mom when she was battling cancer about 10 years ago or so now. And uh, I was praying and believing and hoping and praying and all, all the things that we could do. And in that season of time, I came across this passage of Scripture, and I really began to wrestle with this belief and unbelief thought. It wasn't, it wasn't unbelief, like I didn't believe there was a God, and I didn't believe. It's just like, man, I, I see what this father's taught. I, I believe, but I I unbelieve. I, I'm not sure how to work this out. And so I really started to study this passage of Scripture. And if you dig really into it, in its original context, its original language, there is a difference in the words that we're talking about here. You would think like we're talking about, like, I do believe. 
but help my unbelief. And unbelief would just be the negative connotation of that same word, but it's, it's a little different. It's a, it's a variation here. This, this word believe is a personal word in conversation with Jesus. It's as if the Father is looking at Jesus and saying, listen, I believe in you. I believe you are who you say you are. I believe the stories I've heard of the miraculous and the healing and the things that I believe in you. But help my unbelief. That word unbelief is like circumstantial. It's atmospheric. It's, it's about the things that are taking place. It's what we see with our eyes. And so it's an evidence, factual-based thing. And so it's like, okay, I believe in you by faith, but by fact, I can't figure out how it makes sense because I, I just see sickness or I see disease or I see COVID or I see the economy or I see my job or I see brokenness in my marriage or I see this. Or, and so the facts don't seem to line up with what I faith about you. And so as I was wrestling with this and then praying through again this week, I, I recognized that maybe that's where you find yourself. Maybe with, with all the faith you can muster, you're saying, Jesus, I, I believe in you. I, I, I don't want to be consumed by anxiety and fear and doubt and worry. And I, I don't want my thought life to be all jumbled and a mess. And like, I, I believe in you, Jesus. I believe in you. But man, when I'm, when I'm listening to the stories and the stats and the news, and when I'm listening to some people in my life, even well-intended people, man, I just don't know how it's all going to work out. I don't know how this thing's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen with schools when we go back. And I don't know what I did. Did I make the right decision sending my kids back or keeping my kids home or going back myself as a teacher or not going? Like, I don't, I don't know how it's all going to work out, and I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I don't know what's going to happen with the economy, and I don't know what's going to happen with my personal finances, and there, there's talks of cuts, and there's talks of stimulus, and there, there's talks of layoffs and furlough days, and, and I don't know how it's going to work out, and I don't know what I'm, I mean, I believe in you, Jesus, but I just, I just don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with the elections, and I don't know who's going to win and who's not going to win, and, and if they win, what it means, and I, I just don't know, but I mean, I believe in you, but I just, I just don't know. Maybe you just stand there like that father and you just say to Jesus, Jesus, I, I do believe. I just, I just don't know. And that's okay. It's okay. None of us know. We don't know. And so we stand and do the only thing we can to declare by faith, God, I believe in you. And I don't know how it's all going to work out and I don't know what you're going to do and I'm not sure how you're going to do it, but I, I believe in you. And today, can I just assure you, that's enough. And so we just turn our hearts towards rejoicing. In the midst of our circumstances, in the midst of our prisons, in the midst of our, our pain, we just rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice because the Lord is near, Paul said. And, and I make sure that my gentleness is evident to all. And the way that I choose to conduct myself, I don't want to add to all the things that are, I, wanna, I want my gentleness to be evident as a life controlled by the Spirit of God. And I don't want to be anxious about anything, but by prayer and petition, I want to make my request known to God with thanksgiving in my heart in advance of even seeing him do what I'm asking him to do. And I change my mind to think on true and noble and pure and right and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy things. And where I find myself at the end of all of that is that the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard my heart and my mind through Christ Jesus. That's my prayer for you today.
That's my hope for you, is that God would give you peace, his peace, in the midst of all uncertainty around us. I'm going to ask you right where you're at just to bow your head, close your eyes. Nobody's looking around. It's just a moment of reflection between you and the Lord. And if you would say to me, Jeremy, for me, I know what I need to do is to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, that he would forgive my sins and lead my life. I want to enter into relationship with him. I want to be joined to the family of God. If that's you today, I just want you to lift your hand just right there as a moment of response. Maybe you just type that into the chat as you watch there and say, hey, I'm making a decision to follow Jesus Christ today. If that's you, we would love the opportunity to follow this journey with you and help you to take some next steps. Now, if you would say, Jeremy, for me, I, I just want my thought life to be improved. I want to rejoice more. I want to be consumed by anxiety less. I don't want to be controlled by fear. I really genuinely want the peace of God over my heart and my life, and I want to think on the right things. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? We want to pray for you today. We want to help you to find the strength of God. God, I thank you today for the opportunity to worship you, to praise you, God, to, to, to declare that you're enough for us, more than enough for us. And so, God, I ask you now to respond to those who are acknowledging their need for you right now to be the Lord and Savior of their life. I ask you, God, to change their eternity now. I ask you, God, to lead and guide their lives from this moment forward. We thank you, God, because we believe that you can do that. And God, now I pray for those who are asking you to give them your peace. They want to change the way they think. They don't want to be controlled by anxiety. They don't want to be consumed by fear and doubt and worry. They don't know how it's all going to work out, but they believe in you. And so, God, let that be enough today. Help us to think on the things that are true and right and pure and noble, lovely and admirable, excellent and praiseworthy. And as we do those things, God, would your peace, which we cannot even comprehend, guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now we want to do one more thing before we close today, or before I close. Pastor Matt will be back in just a minute. Give us an opportunity to give and talk about some next steps for us. I want to pray for all of you who are going back to school. Maybe that's an elementary, pre-K, kindergarten, third, fifth, seventh, whatever, middle school, high school, college, wherever you find yourself as a student. We want to pray over you, pray for you as you take next steps back into education over these next few days. Maybe that's in a school building somewhere. Maybe that's online. Maybe that's in your home. But we want to pray for you. I also want to pray for teachers. I want to pray for faculty members in schools. I want to pray for administrators. I want to pray for our county leadership. I want to pray for those of you who are may, maybe homeschooling or digital learning. And so you're, as a parent, you're going to be kind of a, a, another educator or the primary educator for your children, depending on the choice that you've made. And maybe you made that choice a long time ago, and this is just a new school year. But we want to pray for you as well, that God would give you grace and peace. This is a, a school year like none other. We've never experienced what we're walking through right now. And so we just want to pray for God's wisdom and discernment for those making decisions. We want to pray for grace for those who are walking through those decisions. And we want to pray for our students that God would protect them and keep them. We want to pray for our educators that God would protect them as well. And so I'm going to ask you right now, if you would, just to join with me. And let's pray for our students and for those who are teaching them and caring for them in this school year. God, again, we thank you for the chance to lift up your name on behalf of those we love. God, we thank you for the next generation. We thank you for the next generation here at Generations Church and in our community. And so, God, I pray now for all of our students that are going back to school. 
If they're preschool or they're uh, grade school or middle school or high school or college students, God, wherever they find themselves in their educational journey, God, we pray for them as they come back into this school year to remember everything they need to remember and for their minds to be open to learn every new thing that they need to learn. And God, we pray for your protection on them physically, emotionally, mentally, intellectually, all of those things, God, that you would help them as they navigate the uncertainty of all the things that are ahead. Maybe some of them are walking back into school buildings and maybe there's some uncertainty there. Maybe some of them are moving home for some education in this first nine weeks or this first semester. God, we pray for them. Maybe those that have been homeschooled for a while, this is just a part of that new school year in that context. We pray for them as well. God, we pray that you would protect them and keep them. And God, I pray for our educators. I pray, God, for our teachers. I pray for the faculty of our school system. We pray for the administrators over each school and for county leadership as they're making decisions that none of us envy. And God, we pray for your wisdom and discernment for them as they try to determine what they should do to protect our children and to educate them properly. And so, God, we pray for them. I pray for their physical well-being, for safety. I pray, God, emotionally, mentally, God, that you would go before them and and help all of them and all of us to be grace-filled towards one another as we navigate the uncertainty of the days ahead. And God, I pray for us as a church to be a light in this community and that, God, you would help us to know how to respond, how to care for, how to partner with those in education to meet the needs of the next generation. And God, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.